God, you're so good. You're so kind. You're so generous. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for revealing yourself to us. We thank you for revealing who we really are in you. Father, we just dedicate this time to you. We consecrate ourselves to you. Consecrate our minds, our body, our soul, our spirit. God, our whole being we give to you. And Father, we ask that you speak to us. Thank you for giving us ears to hear. And we thank you that you hear us when we pray. Father, bless our time together. And God, that you would draw us in. And Father, that we would respond to you. Respond to your hope. Respond to your calling. Respond to your love. And your faithfulness, your gentleness. Everything that we have is by you, for you, through you. You are life. You are light. We are in you and you are in us. And so we thank you, Father. That we are alive in you. That we are seated in heavenly places with you. And we thank you that um, you've called us out of darkness and placed us into your marvelous light. And that your light invades the darkness always. And where there is darkness is because of a lack of light. And so we pray that you would illuminate our understanding to that so that we take your light everywhere we go. Just reminded this morning that we believe but help our unbelief. <laughs> there are times, God, that we don't, that we doubt. The accusing voice, we believe it more than we believe your word. And so we confess that to you. We repent of that. We turn from that. We thank you for your forgiveness for that. We repent of that and want to rethink to believe and to know in our knower that you are good. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, this morning I want to look at um, Luke chapter 18. Luke 18, I'm going to look at 1 through 8. Um, this is a parable Jesus was given about prayer. Um, and so I just want to look at that. Um, first eight verses there in, in 18. But it says, One day Jesus taught the apostles to keep praying and never stop or lose hope. And he shared them this illustration. So got to get into our minds that what was the reason, what was the purpose of this uh, verse, and, I mean, or this parable, and he's saying that he wanted his apostles to know that they need to keep praying, they need to never stop praying, they also need to never um, lose hope, and so this is the illustration he gave them in that, so we are in a time, we are in a season, um, unknowns, um, there's so much um, information overload, no matter what your outlet is, whether uh, you look at news or you don't look at news, um, whether your job site, um, family members, whatever, and uh, social media, 
so many informations that are coming um, into our brains and um, information overload. And uh, we hear those things more than we hear the Word of God. Um, and so we get into even our own selves. Um, we, we get into a place where we doubt. We get into a place where um, we are fearful. Um, we get into a place where um, it would just be easier just to um, go along with the crowd, so to speak. Um, so many things. And so um, Jesus here is reminding his disciples, look, never said it was going to be easy. Um, never said that um, we're going to be some trials, tribulations. Uh, but he says in all these things, we need to keep praying. We need to never stop that. And we never need to lose hope. And so there is hope. Um, even whenever it just seems like everybody and their mama are going the wrong way and it's calling it the right way, um, we need to not lose hope because he is our hope. Our hope is not found in government. Our hope is not found um, in um and doctors and nurses and medicine, um, even though those things are good, um, government is to, in its right form is good. Godly government is good. Um, godly um, God uses medicine. He uses doctors. He uses nurses. He uses those things. Um, but if we are putting our hope in them, they will fail us. Um, and so our hope is in Him. Our hope is not in those things. And so He's saying, never lose hope. Um, and I say that because we'll look at, um, you know, a lot of people are putting hope in um, vaccines and um, and I'm not saying one way or the other whether they're good or whether they're bad. Um, we've seen them, you know, be good in the past. And so, um, but my point is, is that lately in the news has been saying that, um, you know, un even the vaccinated are getting this serious COVID again. Um, and so a lot of the people that put their hope in that are, are really scared, really nervous right now. So um, we can't put our hope, like if our hope is in something like that, something in this world, um, it will fail us. It wasn't, it's not going to be 100%. But our 100% hope is in Christ Jesus. He'll never fail. He'll never forsake us. He'll never abandon us. He'll never leave us. Um, he is always with us. He will never fail us. And uh, that is a promise. Um, and so these promises that the world tries to give us will not be 100%. Um, but the promises that God gives are 100%. His promises are yes and they are amen in Christ Jesus. And so Christ has already proven um, through the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. He has already proved that he will never fail us. Um, and so don't think that that was, um, you know, a slight against any um, anybody. Um, or anything for that matter. Um, I always tell people, I leave it up to the Holy Spirit to direct you on those kinds of things. Um, I believe Holy Spirit in you um, to direct you to, to whether, um, you know, those kinds of things um, in your life, you know, the vaccines and all those kinds of things. Um, let Holy Spirit guide you in that, trust Him in that, um, and um, He will direct your path. Um, my point in all of that was just saying that we will lose hope if we're putting our hope in things that are not of Him. Um, and so 
just uh, put your hope in him and then those other things will come into place. This is what he said, verse 2, as he tells his story. In a certain town, there was a judge, a thick-skinned, godless man who had no fear of others' opinions. And there was a poor widow in that town who kept pleading with the judge, Grant me justice. Protect me against my oppressor. He ignored her pleas for quite some time, but she kept asking. Eventually, he said to himself, This widow keeps annoying me, demanding her rights, and I'm tired of listening to her. Even though I'm not a religious man and don't care about the opinions of others, I'll just get her off my back by answering her claims for justice and rule in her favor. Then she'll leave me alone. The Lord continued, Did you hear what the ungodly judge said? That he would answer her persistent request? Don't you know that God, the true judge, will grant justice to all of his chosen ones who cry out to him night and day? He will pour out his spirit upon them. He will not delay to answer you and give you what you ask for. God will give swift justice to those who don't give up. So be ever praying, ever expecting, just like the widow was with the judge. Yet when the Son of Man comes back, will he find this kind of persistent faithfulness in his people. So in this truth, in this parable, it's, um, it's, a, it's a positive side to a negative truth. So the, the positive side to this negative truth is if we don't pray, we will wind up fainting. Um, and so Jesus is reminding us here that even in this situation where this is not a godly, even a godly judge, um, that even he um, would grant that request. Um, and so he's, he's telling us, look, my papa is not like that. My papa is way better than this. And yet you know this will happen with an ungodly person. Why, do you, you know, why are you doubting the character of my papa? Um, and so this was not to, to badger God. He's not saying we need to badger Papa until he finally grants us what we want. Instead, what he is saying, he is contrasting his willingness to answer our prayers with the unjust judge's willingness. That's what he's trying to get through to our heads. So he's not a compare that he is the same um, as this person. He's not a representation of this person. It is a parable of contrast, of contrast of saying, um, just like whenever you were in school, you had to compare and contrast, right? Our Venn diagram, and you had um, what are the likes, what are the differences, how do they compare? Um, this is not um, a comparing, but this is a contrast. They are different, right? This is not a representation of who he is. But verse one, I want you to notice what he says. He says, never stop or lose hope. Those are the things that he is telling us. Those things he is trying to tell us, never stop. So there is something in us that wants to give up. Um, it is our human nature. We want to give up. We want to just um, to, to go and hide, so to speak. That was the, the nature of Adam and Eve in the garden. Whenever they messed up, they wanted to go run. They wanted to go hide. Um, just call it quits, right? We're done with. Um, and so that is, um, that is our human nature. And so what Christ came to do is to redeem mankind and put us into our nature. And he give us... Um, he give us the uh, example of what to do um, in those situations. In fact, he gives us the example in Matthew 26, right before um, the uh, crucifixion. He tells his disciples, keep alert, pray that you'll be spared from this time of testing. Your spirit is eager enough, but your humanity is weak. 
And so he tells him in this passage, he says, you have to keep alert. You got to keep praying. You got to stay on task here. He says, because if you're going to be, you're in this time of testing. And so in this time of testing, if you don't keep alert and continue to pray, well, what's going to happen? Your body is weak. Right, your humanity is weak. Your Adam nature is weak nature, um, but that nature is um, is not our nature anymore. We have died with Christ. We have been co-crucified with Christ. Galatians two twenty. We have been co-crucified with Him, and we have been raised to a new nature. We have a new nature. All old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become brand new. And so that humanity, that old way of thinking, if we stay in that way, it is weak. Right, um, and so he's saying, your spirit is ready. Your spirit, man, is ready to do this work, but you have to be um, wielded by the spirit and not by your mind, not by the the thoughts of this world. Right, and so your mind begins to play tricks on you. Your mind begins to. Um, it is a powerful tool, right? Uh, the mind is a very powerful tool, but the mind um, is not a good master. Um, because the mind will play tricks. And so the battle is in this mind, right? Um, and so what he's trying to get you to see here is that your spirit is ready and willing, um, but you have to give your mind over to your spirit, man. You have to give it over for this time of testing um, and eagerly expect and keep alert and continue to pray. Um, in Hebrews 12, um, in Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 3, Something very similar to this. Um, he says, as for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race. So we have to let go of these things of this world, right? He said, then with passion and determination for the path that has been already marked out before us. We have this path marked out before us, right? The path of Christ. And we look away, he says, from the natural realm, right? We can't be looking and be operating by the things that we are seeing in this earth, right? The horrible news, the bad things that happen, people falling on your right and on your left, right? One after another. Bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news, right? And he says, you have to look away from that natural realm. Not that we are ignoring the issues and not ignoring the problems because we have the answer to those things, but we have to look away from the natural realm and we focus, right? So we're bringing our attention and our focus. He says we focus our attention and expectation onto Jesus. So you're as he says in this passage in Luke 18, that we are constantly to be expecting, constantly to be in prayer, constantly to be um, looking to, to not lose hope. Well, how do we do that? He says, you must let go of this natural realm. Look away from it and put your focus and attention and your expectation onto Jesus who birthed faith within us. So he's the one that put the faith in you to begin with and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. So not only did he put the faith in you, he birthed that in you like a seed form, right? And so it is there to grow and who leads you forward into faith's perfection. So as it grows, right, as it's growing from glory to glory, it's growing and it's coming into faith's perfection. What is faith's perfection? Look at Christ. His example, it says, is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. That was his focus. So what should your focus be? Knowing that you were his. 
right? It's John 17 that Jesus was praying this prayer for you in the garden. And then it says, he endured the agony of the cross, conquered its humiliation, and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. That's where he is seated. Ephesians says, you are now seated with him in heavenly places. That's where you are now. That is your reality. So what does he say? He says, you have to take your focus off of this natural realm and focus your attention and expectation on Jesus. Where is Jesus? He's at the right hand of the Father. Where are you? You're at the right hand of the Father with Jesus. You are in Christ. So then verse 3 says, So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who oppose their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. Right? So he's, he's saying, I understand there's going to be some life pressures. Right? There's going to be some times that you just feel worn down. There's going to be some times that you just feel like, man, is this ever going to stop? In the last two years, um, pretty much it feels like that that's it. Like it's just a constant. seems like we wake up, right? I think if we could go back two years ago and see what we see today, we'd be like, there's no way that's going to happen. There's no way we're going to be in that kind of predicament. There's no way it's going to look like it looks like right now. But it's been a constant caving, it seems like, every day. And so, therefore, um, we just keep getting beat down and beat down and beat down and beat down. Especially if our eyes are off Christ. If our eyes are, and our expectation is not on Him, then we're going to just constantly, by life's pressures, be worn down. And then when we're worn down, what do we do? We cave in under life's pressures. And so we want to cave in to fear. We want to cave in to just... Um, just let them have it, right? Just let them have it, and then finally, hopefully, Jesus will just come back and whoop every one of them, just whoop the stank out of them, and then finally, we'll, I mean, they'll get theirs, right? Well, they're going to get theirs. That's what we say. But is that really what he's wanting? Or is he wanting light to invade darkness? Um, and so we got to be careful. Yes, we all eager and ready, expecting um, the return. But... What is he asking us to do? If our only hope is that, right? If our only hope is that, we're, we're diminishing the gospel of Christ because the gospel of Christ should be going forward. It should not be going backward. It should not be plateauing. It should be ever going from increasing from glory to glory to glory. What did he say? And the government should be upon his shoulders. And to this reign, there will be no end. This reign shall be no end. This should be ever increasing, right? So we have to, some of our theology is kind of mixed up. And so we need to make sure that uh, we are understanding that the gospel, the gospel message that Christ gave us, that he left us with, should not be diminished. And it should um it's not going to go without um, opposition. And so we have to understand that we can't, we have to keep pressing on. We have to keep pressing on with the hope and the goodness of God and the message of hope and the message of the goodness of God has to keep being proclaimed everywhere and bringing light into dark places. We can't cave under life's pressures. But if our focus is on these world's problems and not on Christ and where we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, if our focus is not there, and we're going to cave under life's pressures. And so that's what he's saying here. He says we can't do that. Never stop, never lose hope. In verse 8 of our passage in Luke, it says, Ever expecting 
we should be ever expecting. You know, when we look at these situations um, all around us, are we ever expecting? Are we ever expecting to hear more bad news? Are we ever expecting to hear that Christ is coming through? What is our expectation, right? And Jesus even says in this verse, in verse 8, he says, will I find this kind of faith? Will I find this kind of faith that never gives up, that says, the, the widow says, I know what's mine, and so I'm not quitting until I get what's mine, right? And so do you even know, do we even know what is ours? If we've been blessed, Ephesians chapter 1, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, in Christ Jesus. We've been blessed with every single one of those things. What are we expecting? Are we expecting those things? Do we know that they are ours? And so are we expecting them? Are we just knowing that this world is so bad that it's just we expect it to be worse when we wake up every day? What are we expecting? What is our expectation? And so Jesus even says, will I find that? Will I find this kind of faith whenever I return? Um, and so we want to make sure, um, because faith is that channel of operation. Faith is, faith is, we're not trying to get God to move. God's already moving. He's just wanting us to be a part of what he is doing. So our faith is that channel of us operating into that supernatural realm. Um, you know, in Hebrews 11, if you go back, we were just in Hebrews 12, but if you go back to the chapter before that, in, in chapter 11, in verse 6, he says, without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. Um, and he says, for we come to God in faith. So it would be impossible to please God without faith, right? And he said, for we come to God in faith, knowing, this is how faith operates, knowing what? That he is real, knowing that God is real. And knowing that he rewards the faith of those who passionately seek him. Knowing he's good. You've got to know he's good. That he's not withholding. He's not holding out. He's not saying, well, whenever you get your act together, then we'll finally come through, right? No, that's not what he's saying, right? The ones who are religious, who try to work for it, right? Who've made that paradigm into their mind that they got to work for everything. That they're going to get it, right? And then when they mess up, they know they're not going to get it. That's religion, right? Who got all the gifts in the New Testament? The Corinthians. They were heathens, right? Paul even told them, he said, man, some of the pagans are would blush at some of the things y'all are doing. And they got the gifts. So the heathens got the gifts. What did the religious get? They got nothing, <laughs> right? Um, and and Paul not saying in any way that because he even clarifies that, right? Should we just keep on sinning then? No. What's the point? He's saying that the point is it's all about him. It's not about your perfection. He is perfect, and you are in him, and he is in you, and he is perfecting you daily, right? So you're not waiting till you finally get it all right before you step out in faith. We are stepping out in faith, and as we step out in faith, he is perfecting our bodies, our mortal bodies. He's perfecting those bodies into Christ's likeness. And so faith, we have to believe that he is a rewarder of those who believe it, right? We have to believe that. Ephesians 3.20, um, Paul is saying that, right? That this is beyond our expectation. He's never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest requests. So whatever your greatest request is, he can do more than that. Whatever you think you can request today, he can do more than that. Your most unbelievable dream, he says, and exceed, exceed your wildest imagination. So wherever your imagination can take you, he can go beyond that. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly 
energizes you. So he is doing that work in us. Why? Because if if he's doing that work in us, we are becoming sons of God. And as we become sons of God and sons of God rise up and take their place, the earth is what it's groaning for is for the sons of God to rise up and take their place so they can come back into its complete order. So we can believe that we can go to God. Remember, we can go to God with complete confidence. He is our advocate. First um, John 2, 1, he is, our ab- he is our advocate, always making intercession for us. Romans 8, 34, Hebrews 7, 25, he's always making intercession for us. However, what is Satan doing? Satan is always, according to Revelation twelve ten, that day and night he is always accusing. He is the accusing voice. He is not only accusing us um, and telling us um, how bad we are, how we don't deserve it, uh, how things are going to continue to get worse, how we can't step out because we messed up. He reminds us of our past. He reminds us of our shame, our regrets. He does all those things so that he can get us down. He is constantly accusing. When? Day and night. He never gives up. Even when we're asleep, he's still trying to accuse us, right? And even accusing God. We see all through Scripture he accused God. And... Um, and so he's misrepresenting God. And so he is accusing us, misrepresenting us and who we really are in Christ. And so he misrepresents God and his character. That's what he is constantly doing. So that is the accusing voice that is constant that never goes up. So that will also make you grow faint and make you not want to go to God because you don't trust his character anymore because you doubt he'll even answer you because you doubt your character. Um, and so it is a great deception. And so that is where we find these people here in Luke 18, right? Israel believed God had widowed them, right? So I want to read this passage to you in Isaiah 40. Um, They believed that God had widowed them, and this is God's answer to them, right? And just Jesus is reminding them in Luke 18, but he reminds them in Isaiah 40 right here. He says in Isaiah 40, verse 27, he says, Why then, O Jacob's tribe, would you ever complain? And my chosen Israel, why would you say Yahweh isn't paying attention to my situation? He has lost all interest in what happens to me. Why would you say that, he says? You're right. How do we do, do? We may not say that out loud, and some of us might. Um, we get in situations where we, we will say things like that. Um, but we, we for sure think about it, right? Things not going our way. Things seem to get worse around us. And we say, God, don't hear me. God, not paying attention to my situation. My situation, you know, it's minute compared to the world's problems. So he don't really care, right? Those thoughts come past us. Um, they go in our minds, and sometimes we entertain those thoughts, and, and we think, well, he's lost all interest. What happens to me? He don't care about me. Poor, pitiful me, and we throw ourselves a pity party, right? And that's what Israel was doing here, um, feeling they've been widowed, left alone, orphaned by God. But verse 28 says, don't you know, haven't you been listening? Yahweh is the one and only everlasting God, the creator of all you can see and imagine. He never gets weary or worn out. His intelligence is unlimited. He is never puzzled over what to do. And so you think about that. He is, this is not, He's not confused on what to do right now, right? We may be confused, but he's not. He's not confused at all what to do. His intelligence is unlimited. So he's not ever puzzled. It's not like they've tricked God. It's not like they got the upper hand on God and they they, um, know what to do, right? And 
God's laughing, right? There's there's verses of scripture that says God's laughing in Psalms at their plans, right? And so he's not puzzled of what to do, right? That's why we have to get into that secret place with him because he's not puzzled about this. So we have to get into the intercessory, into that, into that spiritual realm with him so he reveals the things to us. That's why he gave us his own spirit. He says, I'm sending my spirit to you so that he, he sees and knows and searches out the heart of God so he can reveal them to you, okay? And so in verse 29, it says, He empowers the feeble and infuses the powerless with increasing strength. You may feel feeble. You may feel powerless at this moment. You feel like we are the minority because, um, because the world just seems to be saying what's wrong is right and what's right is wrong. Um, you may feel like you are in the you know minority. But look how many times God's people in the past were in the minority. And he brought them through. Why? To display his great power, right? And it says in verse 29, he empowers the feeble. He infuses the powerless with increasing strength. It is his power and his strength that we are relying on, not our own. Verse 30, even young people faint and get exhausted. Even young people, not just old people, even young people, they faint, right? Why? They get exhausted. They get exhausted from the fight. They get a mental breakdown. They can't do this anymore, right? But it says, athletic ones even may stumble and fall, right? The ones who are even in shape, they even sometimes get overwhelmed and they stumble and they'll fall. But, love the word but here. But those who wait, those who wait with what? Eager expectation. Isn't that what we just read in Luke 18? All those verses in Hebrews? Eager expectation. Those who wait with this eager expectation for Yahweh's grace will experience divine strength. Those who are going to wait with him, those who are going to, to tie themselves with him, they will experience divine strength, not your own strength, not the strength that comes from you eating right and exercising daily. All those things are good, but it's not going to come from that. It's going to be a supernatural strength, right? I think it's in one Psalm 127 that he says he even gives you good things in the night while you're sleeping. So this is going to be um, divine experience. It's going to be divine strength, not your very own. This his power is going to fill your bodies. And it says, and they will, meaning you, will rise up on soaring wings and fly like eagles. They will run their race, race without growing weary and walk through life. That means these life's problems, they will walk through them. They will not get stuck there. They're going through them without giving up. So what is the key there? To wait upon him, right? The word wait there, though, is the word kawa, K-A-W-A. And it means to intertwine yourself. Where did we hear that before? John 17. Jesus says that he prays that we are one with him, right? And so we are one with him, intertwined with him. So those who were waiting with eager expectation, those intertwined with him, who were intertwining their thoughts, their mindset, their emotions, what they're seeing, their vision, they are intertwining that with, with God's heart, right? How do we do that? Well, the Spirit of God is doing that for you. You just have to let your heart rest. 
You have to let your emotions rest and come to a place of rest to where you will not faint and grow weary. So you're coming into a place of agreement of who he really is, who you really are in this earth, and what he is trying to do on this earth. Not what he's trying like, ah, I can't get this, but what he is accomplishing on this earth, right? And he wants you to be a part of it. But we won't be a part of it if we grow tired and weary, faint, now fall away. We have to press in. And we have to get into that, that place, that realm, where our hearts are connected to him, hear from him. And as we hear from him, speak out the things that he is showing us to release here on this earth. I want to encourage you today. I know how it can be. Um, the past two weeks, um, even though we were on vacation, about the first five days of the seven-day vacation, um, I was just, um, I used to struggle with um, fear and anxiety a lot. And then just all of a sudden, right before we left for the trip, it all came back on me, um, thinking that it was gone a long time ago. And all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, it hits. And so um, just renewing my mind daily, um, getting to a secret place, getting to just meditating on the Word, um, not just not just memorizing scripture. I'm talking about meditating, knowing, get your knower. <laughs> your knower has to know that that scripture is real and meditating on it until it becomes what your focus is and not the focus of the things around you or surrounding you. So as those thoughts came back and rushing over me, then I, all I could hear was bad news around me. I couldn't focus on anything good. Um, and so it just all of a sudden multiplied and increased in me and in my mindset. And so I had to get myself to repent, meaning rethink things, right? And those thoughts are still trying to penetrate me even today. They're still, when I wake up, they want to penetrate me. And immediately I'm having to go to God and say, thank you, Father, that you have done this. Thank you, Father, that, that you... Um, um, are my mind and my will, my emotions. Thank you, Father, that you have um, overwhelmed me with your presence. Thank you, Father, that you love me. Thank you, Father, that you never leave me. You never forsake me. You're not abandoning me as an orphan. And just claiming those scriptures over yourself, right? Um, and so, again, not just memorizing scripture to memorize them or to do it like a magic potion. It's not mind over matter, but it is simply getting to your knower. Your belief system has to be... Um, set on the things of God, right? What did he say? He says, set your thing, set your mind on things above, right? And so, um, he says, seek ye first, Jesus said, the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added to you. So, it is when our minds are focused in the right place, which is on him and where he is seated, right? That is where you are seated with him. And so, that is our reality. And when we can get into that place and stay in that place, um, we'll not grow faint, we'll not grow tired and weary, but we'll be set on things above. Um, and so our mind, our focus has to be set there. So I just want to pray over you, blessings. God, I just pray that, um, that you would touch everyone listening to this. God, I pray that you would touch them in a mighty way right now. I pray that you would give them supernatural strength just as you promised to give them supernatural strength for such a time as this. God, in their mind, their will, their emotions, their bodies, physically, mentally. God, that their uh, mindset and their eyes be focused on you and you alone. 
And Father, that you would remind them that you have never left them. You're not forsaken. God, just as we read in Isaiah 40, that the people thought you had left and forsaken them and didn't care about them. God, that they would be reminded that you do care, that you have not left, that you have never went anywhere, but that is the accusing voice of the enemy. And so, Father, I pray that they would line their thoughts and their minds and their words, God, up with you and your heart to realize that you um, are not confused at this moment, that you don't know, um, that you're not wandering around wondering what to do, but that you are in full confidence of what you're doing and that you do know what to do, but we have to get into, into that secret place and figure out what you were telling us. And so we pray that, Father, we would, um, you would teach us how to block out, um, to be aware of what's going on around us, but at the same time, not let it affect us in a negative way, but to be able to speak into those situations with a positive mindset and God with light and not darkness. God, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you keep them safe. I pray that your arms and your angels be all around them. God, that you administer your angels to them. God, your um, healing and your, your your wisdom and understanding. Um, and God, that you would fight for them. God, I thank you, God, that you are before us, behind us, beside us, above us, beneath us. I thank you that we are in you and you are in us. And God, I pray that you would bless um, everywhere our steps go from this point forward, that you would bless. In Jesus' name, amen.